What if Bobby was still alive and they blew him out of the water? If you saw your son, would it be like, get his mama in here? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm confused. If your family's past was dark, controversial, and full of potentially life-altering secrets, would you want to know about it? In this episode of The Brothers Grimm, Brian discusses the curious case of a missing child. Who is Bobby Dunbar? Well, we have a very special surprise for you this week. Uh, we weren't planning on having a special guest, but here we are anyway. I want you all to welcome Grayson Barton. Hey, what's up, everybody? Grayson is the owner and the engineer at Starscream Studio, where we record our podcasts, and we are thrilled to have him be a part of this episode. He's going to sit in and, and add to the discussion. Welcome. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. So I've known Grayson for about maybe five years, five, six years now. Yep. Um, but I think before we actually met, um, when, we act, when we finally met, we found out we went to the same, uh, I guess, college or school. Yeah, um, And True. just a couple years apart. And so we get we yeah. know a lot of the same people and kind Super of run cool. the same crowds. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I grew up with Jeremy and Joey, so... Yeah, no, we knew him long back. Time. We knew him back when he was Michael. Yeah, used to go by my first name. Now I go by my middle name. Known these guys forever. I still call him by his first name. So. I, I have him in my phone with three different names, so it's fine. <laughs> it's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> no, but uh, so Michael owns a studio we're actually recording in currently. Um, he built this out what two years ago, roughly. Yeah, right. Right as I was uh, graduating from school. Yeah, finished building out and. You know, getting everything ready. Dude, as far as like home studios go, this is one of the best that I've ever been in, seen. It's it's awesome. Thanks, man. That was the idea is building it out was just to it'd be a professional studio but in a relaxed home setting so that people could actually stay here if they wanted to, kind of thing, and they wouldn't have to deal with the expense of mm-hmm. going and getting a hotel. So nah, man, it's great. We love yeah, it. Thanks, man. I didn't know I could stay here. <laughs> yeah, man. I book you a little spot upstairs. I mean the fee goes up, but you know, it's no big deal. I know breakfast I'm in bed, tonight. whatever you want. I don't even know how much that costs. Breakfast in bed? I mean, you know, it's it's affordable. We'll let the label pay for it. No, there you go. <laughs> it's probably just McDonald's that he picks up to the drive-thru and brings it in, puts it on a tray and brings it up to you. There is a Waffle House about two miles And them hotcakes, the they're building the Martins up the road, I saw boys. That. I saw it's that about to open. Down. I'm excited. Mm. That's awesome. I love Martins. All right, so guys, um, I got a question for you guys. If your family's past was dark, controversial, and full of potentially life-altering secrets, would you want to know about it? Or would you want to remain blissfully unaware and continue to live your life as you've always known it? 100% blissfully unaware. Ignorance is bliss, yes, as they say in the Matrix. I 100% agree. See, I would have to combat that with, I'm greedy, so I'm always looking to make that buck. And if I had a dark, twisted past, uh, my, my family had a dark, twisted past, I would try to capitalize on it and write something for it and sell it and just be that guy with all the family problems. Why not? I'll be basking on a beach somewhere, drinking Mai Tais <laughs> while you're watching my movies about my messed up family. It would really depend on what it is. Uh, it reminds me of the, and also how I would love to do what Jeremy said, but I really, I would care a little too much about how the rest of the family would feel about me capitalizing off of my family's tragedy and dark secrets. It'd be like Haunting of Hill House when, uh, when Stephen writes the book about his family. Uh, it, you know, I think, they, I think they would all hate us. Just alter the names. 
doesn't matter. Come on, dude. But <laughs> I've already fam- thought about this. Your family would still, they would know. They would understand, like, okay, this is talking about us. This is a story about our family. Exactly. Instead of it be Joey, it'd be James. Like <laughs> That's my I, son's name. Like in this story, the family did not like the fact that some that a member of the family was uncovering all these secrets almost a century later. Was, is this the royal family? What's going on? <laughs> it's not the royal family. Okay, okay. Uh, so the story I'm about to share with you is so complex, multifaceted, and straight-up eerie. I got first interested in this case because I've naturally always been drawn to Unsolved Mysteries, hence why we kind of started this podcast, um, especially in disappearances. However, this is a story of not only about a mystery or mysterious disappearance, but years of potentially denial and cover-ups and one family member's investigative work into uncovering nearly a century of secrets that would change their family identity forever. Intense. Yeah. In August of 1912, Lessie and Percy Dunbar, an upper-middle-class family, took their two sons, Bobby and Alonzo, to their family's cabin at Swayze Lake in Louisiana, much like they had done many times before. Several other family members, family friends, and their children were joining them for that for what they thought would be a relaxing weekend. Now, something that's important to note is that this wasn't an isolated cabin in the woods. By all means, this was a nice, safe, resort-style kind of area, much as it could be for the 1900s. What what year was this? 1912. Hmm. On Friday, August 23rd, 1912, Lessie and the the other wives were busy cleaning and getting the cabin ready for the weekend, while Percy and the other husbands prepared to go down to the lake to catch some fish, for the group's lunch and dinner. Late that morning, a young man arrived letting Percy know he needed to travel about a mile to finalize a business transaction. Now, Percy is a very PR-focused uh, man. He likes uh, business. He wants to earn the next buck. He wants to be this popular man in the city. wants to um, basically be the next big, big break, I guess. Um, who, who was the man that showed up? Do we just have... Just, it's just... just so, so this, uh, a lot of this account comes from uh, the granddaughter of, um, I guess really it's the great-granddaughter of Percy. Okay. Yeah. As a man, or as Percy headed up the road with, the, with this young man, Bobby Dunbar, who was about four years old at the time, ran after his father wanting to tag along. So, you know, as a four-year-old, you want to go where your dad's going. Yeah, it's of just course. kind of a natural, natural thing. Yep. Percy told his son no which, of course, was like any four-year-old, caused him to be distraught, screaming and trying to grab onto his father to go with him. Knowing he'd be back before noon, Percy instructed the young man to take Bobby back to the camp and continue on for his business meeting. Back at the cabin, the men were fishing and the women were cleaning, frying and draining each other's fish over a bed of Spanish moss just as soon as he came in. Lessie had what we considered a nanny-type woman to help her with her young son, Alonzo, who was about two years or two years old at the time, and Bobby was about four. So Bobby, being just four, wasn't quite old enough to hang out with the older children that were there. So instead, he spent the rest of the afternoon with the Dunbar's family friend, Paul. Paul's kind of this kind of mid-aged adult, you know, mid-20s, early 20s, um, but too old to kind of hang out with some of the teenage children that were also there. Alonzo wanted to be just like the older brother and tagged along. Amongst the commotion of the husbands turning the day into fishing into somewhat of an unofficial contest and Paul sporadically shooting garfish with his pistol, 
no one could quite recall the full details of what followed. Someone called from the cabin to come up for lunch. Paul remembered putting little Alonzo on his shoulders to carry him back up to the camp, and nearly trampling over Bobby on the way. As Lessie came out to serve lunch, she immediately scanned the tables and asked where Bobby was. No one had any clue, including Paul. She immediately responds, as any of us would, if our child was missing, shouting Bobby's name, running all around the campsites, looking for him, and commanding others to help her. Bobby was nowhere found. Three of the husbands of the group ran into Percy, who was on his way back to the campsite from his business meetings, and broke the news. Percy went back to the cabin to check on Leslie, and then immediately joined in on the search. The only thing the search group found as any potential trace of Bobby was a set of small footprints going towards the road, as well as Bobby's sandals on the ground. Other than that, the footprints dead-ended just over the train tracks. No other footprints, clothing, or any trace of Bobby was to be found. So we got a little a little kid, a little four-year-old named Bobby, mm-hmm. who all he wanted to do was hang out with his dad. Yep. Dad sent him back, mm-hmm. Percy, and he tried to hang out with this older friend named Paul. Yep, older who, family friend. Older family friend named Paul. And uh, Paul's like, no, I'm going to go shoot stuff in the in the river. Yep. And the rest of the dads and the rest of the kids were playing and the dads were fishing. And Bobby just, what, wandered off? It couldn't, he couldn't have wandered off because he almost got trampled when they got called back for lunch. Right. It's, it seems like during all the commotion of, of like, the, the women calling everybody in for lunch and, you know, him wanting to go see his dad and Paul not really paying attention to him. He kind of got maybe mixed up in some of that commotion. Hmm. But there are tracks leading away from the campsite. Yes, kind of towards the direction where his father went okay. to uh, go to his business meeting. So maybe Bobby went to go mm-hmm. find his like dad. Like any any child, man. He's, sure. He's maybe like, hey, I want to go see my dad. I'm going to go find him. You know, he can't be too far. What are we talking like upwards of 10, 12 people yeah, in this I think, group? Yeah, I think there was like three families and then uh, some couple family friends. As well. Percy and didn't see kids. him on the way back because he said he came back. Right. Percy Percy hadn't seen him. Hmm. Interesting. Luckily, they were able to flag down an excursion train coming down the track, and the engineer promised to call for more help when he got back into town. So they're just outside of a small town. The train passed by, and they called, or they asked the engineer, hey, will you call the authorities um, when you get into town and see if they'll come out here and help us look for our son? This launched a massive search around the area, leaving no stone unturned. Literally, they found they went so far as to blasting dynamite in the water in case a body was stuck, and shooting, killing, and cutting open all the alligators to see if they could find any remains of a body. What if Bobby was still alive and they blew him out of the water? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that... Uh... Yeah, Bobby gone now. <laughs> if that was the situation. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Bobby said, I was just over here by the rock and you done blowed me up. <laughs> I was trying to avoid these gators. They, they cut open the gators? Like, man, that's extensive. Yeah, like I've heard of people doing that before looking for, like, if somebody was eaten or they thought that somebody really? was eaten by an alligator, okay. that they would kill the gators and, and uh, try to open up and see if they could feed. Checking uh, the contents. My goodness. They do that same thing for sharks, too. Huh. So with no leads, this led Percy and Lessie to head back to their family's home with Alonzo and begin the speculation that Bobby was potentially kidnapped. I guess with not finding a body anywhere around, like we, um, you know, maybe they just felt like, well, somebody had to have taken him. And you did say that they found the shoes right by the road. Yep, his sandals were still still there, so, you know. Sure. And I'm sure, Jeremy, 
Joe, you can attest that kids like to kick off the shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you'd be amazed at the places you find shoes. Mm-hmm. I found I found one in the yard and one in the house <laughs> of the same shoe, the, <laughs> of the same, same pair. Same pair. <laughs> I found one in one car and one in the other one time. And so yeah, I mean, explain that one. The, <laughs> yeah, for real. You said that the the tracks ended. His tracks ended near the train tracks. Right. It's like as if he was trying to cross over the train tracks. His tracks ended on one side and never picked up on the other. Could have been snatched up at the tracks. I guess. But I mean, I feel like he would have yelled. Uh, maybe I'm just giving a four-year-old too much credit, but don't you think he would have like yelped or something? Yeah, but and I mean, the train's pretty loud. Yeah, yeah but sure. there was no train around. Yeah. And I'm not sure how far away this was from the actual cabin. Okay. Um, but, I mean, this is a popular area, and there, sh- there were other families and other groups right. in the area. So, mm-hmm. Okay. You know, not real sure. With this new speculation in mind, Percy left Lessie at home and instructed his brother Archie to screen any mail they received before it got to her while he traveled from state to state distributing photos of Bobby and talking to the press. Percy's search tour of sorts and the national coverage the story was gaining was creating the sense that the public was searching for his son Bobby as well. So this story had gained in national attention even in 1912 through newspapers that this little four-year-old boy was missing. And at the time, that's kind of an un... like a very strange thing for just a little boy to go missing. Something that is interesting to note here is that Percy was obsessed with finding his son's kidnapper, which of course is natural, but also seemed to be almost addicted to the adrenaline and the media attention of his search. So much so that some of his family members had been reaching out and suggesting to hire a private investigator or professional to handle the matters instead. Hmm. Seems like Percy's kind of a, um, he's very, um, he likes to boast about himself. He's very prideful. And uh, didn't want anybody else's help. He enjoys the limelight a little bit. Mm-hmm. Considering like he, he was the only person coming from the direction that his son was lost in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the one, character known as Man. Yes, one has to wonder, did he abduct his own son? Yeah, what could have happened? To sure. build, uh, build the case for him searching for his son. I mean, there's no greater thing than a parent searching for their child. But he was doing the city-to-city local tour trying to, like, promote, hey, my son's missing. His wife had to stay at home. She wasn't allowed to come. He also wouldn't let his wife see the mail that was coming in. It's very, very strange, almost like he's very controlling and and, uh, kind of manipulative. Hmm. With every step Lessie tried to make toward the idea that Bobby may not be alive after all, the detective's entire world and endless news coverage imprisoned her with this wild goose chase towards the possibility that somehow he was safe and alive. After attempting to reestablish a routine and get back involved in local businesses and politics at the start of the 1913, the Dunbar family was given a promising lead. There was a group of women in the community nearby where they thought they saw this little boy. So they decided to write a letter to Lessie personally saying, hey, we think we've seen your son. They were absolutely convinced it was Bobby Dunbar. The child in question had been seen around town with a man named William Walters from North Carolina who traveled around doing odd jobs who claimed the child was the son of a woman named Julia Anderson who had been taking care of his aging mother. We've got a whole new cast of characters. Yeah, so now there's more, so many people. more people involved in this. Man. 
Alonzo. I don't even. I can't I keep up. I know. We now have a. Uh, I had a, I had to write like a whole bullet point list, almost like a family tree of who was who. Nice in the story. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, we need one of those missing persons spiderweb boards to mm-hmm. connect all the dots. Yes, exactly. Yarn and string. So, Lessie never received this letter because Percy's brother took the letter and gave it to Percy. So Leslie had no idea that these women had even written her a note or a letter about possibly this being her son. So Percy went to Mississippi to see the boy for himself, and after examining him, he instructed Leslie that she needed to come out and confirm that the boy was indeed Bobby for herself. Percy can't tell? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, all right, my dad's in the room. If you saw your son, would it be like, ah. Get his mama in here. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm confused. This is true. I mean, I, I feel like I know my son's pretty well. Um, He's four. How old would he be then? Has he grown a beard or something? So, What's so he may be five at this point because it's kind of towards the beginning he's got a of fake mustache on. Yeah, he's been like yeah. drawn on a mustache. Like, I don't. Yeah, but wouldn't you even think the son would also recognize his father at the age of yeah. four or five? Yeah, you would Papa, think. You're that guy that I was looking for that I left the railroad tracks. You know, I mean, man. Yeah. That's wild. Yep. So the newspapers had caught wind of this national months-long potentially being solved so that there was a lot of crowds and excitement surrounding this, this reunion. So when Lessie arrived in this town, there wasn't an immediate recognition between the Dunbars and the child. Actually, the child had an adverse reaction to both of them at their first meeting. Uh-oh. Additionally, neither of the Dunbars were immediately sure that the boy they met was their son. Lessie was especially hesitant and noticed some differences in scars and markings on the boy. But after spending some time with him one-on-one and bonded with him a little bit, I think she felt through all the exhaustion of the months-long search for her son and the overwhelming pressure from both her husband and the media for this to be the perfect family, that she convinced herself in the moment that the child was in fact her son. Now, is the child claiming that he's Bobby Dunbar? Is the child saying, yeah, I'm Bobby Dunbar? I've been Bobby Dunbar since I was born. No. So I think this group of women approached the authorities there in this town and set up this lineup for the boy to come in and the family to say, hey, is this your son or not? And so it's then I guess Leslie finally started talking to the boy one on one. But there is no real record of what is how is the boy reacting? Right. It said he had an adverse reaction to them immediately like he didn't want to go with them immediately he was like i don't know these people Two, like wasn't wasn't this boy claimed to be the caretaker's son Mm -hmm. like where's the caretaker is she just like oh yeah Yeah. take him yeah yeah that's not my kid yeah so that so julia Julia is is um is the mother and she's supposedly the the mother of this boy right um or that's that's what they're saying yeah yeah i would think if the son if the boy said that uh, those aren't my parents, you'd have to believe the five-year-old boy. And if Julia is like, that is my son, and then if they're like, no, it's actually the other, then there's some like legality, there's some legal actions that could be drawn up against Julia for taking this boy. So, yeah, man, yeah. this is wild. This now, is crazy. Now, it is, it is important to note that the Dunbars were kind of upper-middle-class family. They had money. They, they had a great lifestyle. And... This boy they think is Bobby, and the potential mother of this boy is you know she's she's the help at a you know at somebody sure. like the Dunbars. 
So of course, after the interaction and building this relationship with this, who they think is Bobby, the Dunbars took Bobby back home to Louisiana and went on to live life as normal. Bobby eventually got married and had children and even had grandchildren. As Bobby Dunbar. Yeah, that's as, as Bobby Dunbar. So you never said, like, no, my, my name is Tim. Like, that, that never happened. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. The records are probably not thorough. 19. That's quite, you know, that's early quite a lie for so, a kid to carry. So there, there are I'm tons of. Bobby now. Yeah. There I'm, are tons of newspaper articles basically talking about what happened and how they covered it. Because at this point in time, 1912, yeah. there's probably not a lot of news going on, a lot of crazy stuff going on. So, so this family is. Is like besides, center of limelight in the what, South. The depression, depression hasn't happened yet. It'd be World War One. World War One pop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so. what's happening in the world right now. So with the Dunbars identifying the child as their son, Bobby Dunbar, Walters, the kind of man who was watching over this child, was charged with felony and sentenced to life in prison. For what? For kidnapping. So. Oh. oh okay. So yeah, they, yeah. So the authorities. <laughs> They knew there was legal action somewhere. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. So this guy is screwed. There, I know. There had to have been legal action at some point, right? Right. So this guy, he's just hanging out with, with this little boy saying, hey, you know, hanging out, taking care of him while his mom's at work. He gets arrested, sentenced to life in prison for kidnapping Bobby Dunbar. Would we have to assume that Julia would have said like, hey – he definitely took that kid from me. Oh, sure. sure Charge sure. this boy. Yeah. Like, and, and she does. So, My God. She actually comes forward and spoke to the uh, defense of Walter's trial, saying that his story, that in fact, this was her son, Bruce, but no one believed her. I suppose we have to remember, it is 1913, right? So media, the way media travels is absolutely different than... It would now, right? For like sure. Something happens across the world in about 10 minutes. We know about it from, you know, TikTok. Yep. TikTok, sure. Facebook, right. Instagram, Twitter. Right. Something happens in 1913, a couple states away. Uh, you probably wouldn't know about it for a month, maybe, right. if the paper makes its way down there. Yeah. Right? Right. Yep. So this kid's name is Bruce. And he's five, Bruce, Bobby. It's all so close. I'm Bobby now. So there are pictures of these of Bruce and Bobby they're very, very similar. The eyes are a little different. Bruce's eyes are a little more close together, a little mm. more squinted. The eyes are where you can see the soul. Right. The so, windows to the soul. That's the actual saying. That's right. Walter actually won an appeal and was released two years later and just still declares his innocence until his life, until his death in 1930. After going on to live a normal life, who the world knew as Bobby Dunbar died in 1966 seemingly cementing the closure of a case that had only remained open through the eyes of the Anderson and Walters decades before. So did Leslie and Percy just, did the rest of the Dunbar family just continue living life as, Pretty much. as normal? As if, this as is if, Bobby and that's it? Yep, this is Bobby and, you know, he was gone for a couple months and now he's back with us that, and nothing was ever got, that different. I mean, I could not imagine every day looking at my child and thinking, you don't look quite the same, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Your time in the woods has changed you, my boy. Yeah, there definitely I, seems like some mental. Yeah, I think at that time, like obviously, like PTSD wasn't even a thing mm-hmm. yet. Like you know, yep. so there has to be something like of that going on, especially yeah. for Lessie. Yeah, you know, the mom losing a child has got to just say like that's got to be way easier to accept that he fell and hit himself in the woods or something and looks a little different than 
my boy is gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I could I could see it maybe if it was like a, a newborn baby. Sure. You know, because sometimes they all start to look kind of the same. But even then, you can look at yours and know, you know that you know that child is yours or not. Mm-hmm. There's like an inherent, that's my child. And even the child should recognize a mom or dad. Mm-hmm. It, it was only a year, right? It wasn't even a year. It, it wasn't was only even a, a full months. year. So the child should be able to look at you and say, yes, you're my mom and I missed you. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, there should a have been some old. reaction like that, like, Mom, I'm like, come here. You know, like, right. I miss you. My son's Save four me. years old, and I, I don't think anybody can convince him that his, his name is something different than it is. Right. Yeah. And that somebody other than my wife and I are his parents. I right. Mean, right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what's so strange about all this. And the thing is, is like, they just went on his life as, as normal, as usual. That is so wild. Nothing changed. They said, this is our son, Bobby. And, and poor Julia. Like, she's like, my, they took my son. She lost Bruce. Yeah. And, of course, that's well before, like, DNA evidence to where they could just be, like, a DNA match. Yes, this is her son. Yep. You can't take him. Yep. Oh, that's got to so, be terrible to to realize that your son is now with somebody else's family. Right. And you have no... No right to visitation, no right to see this, your son, ever yep. again. So, now, looking into the... Uh, now, later, now we're almost um, 100 years into the future, Margaret Dunbar Cutright is Bobby Dunbar's grandchildren or Bruce's um, granddaughter, right? Right. So her father was Bob Dunbar II and her brother was Bob Dunbar III. Growing up, she heard a grief retellings of her grandfather's kidnapping, but nothing in detail and nothing of mention regarding the controversy surrounding his identity. The version she was told was that her grandfather was the son of Lessie and Percy Dunbar, who was kidnapped and miraculously reunited with his family. Hmm. So this is the story that her family has told for a century now. That, hey, he was kidnapped and then six, nine months later, he miraculously returned. You know, somebody found him. Hmm. When Margaret's brother was tragically killed in a plane accident, her father gave a large binder filled with hundreds of news articles, notes, photographs and records surrounding her grandfather's kidnapping. She quickly realized that in all the retellings of the kidnapping story, the controversy surrounding Bobby's identity was always quickly glossed over as a minor detail of the case. After four years of research and against the majority of her family's will, she successfully encouraged her father to submit a DNA sample for comparison against Alonzo Dunbar's son, David's DNA. Uh oh. So now, DNA. Surprise. Ye- 100 years into the future. I'm not Bobby. Right? <laughs> so, 100 years in the I'm future, Bruce. they're now doing a DNA test. The test revealed that her grandfather was, in fact, Bruce Anderson, not little boy Bobby Dunbar that went missing nearly a century prior. Whoa. There Knew it is. It. Not Bobby. Got dynamited in the river. Right. That's what happened. That's, that's, he died in the river. I do lean in on the the theory about the a Percy like you know, picking him up, hiding him, mm-hmm. killing him, just for the fame of like getting to be involved with the hunt. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there was a mysterious man that came by, mm-hmm. right, to to talk to Percy. And the they both man, leave, and the mysterious man doesn't come back. Maybe he's taking little Bobby somewhere. Yeah, and I why, buy that. And why was Percy so controlling of the search right. and not allowing? his wife to come along with him. Yes. It's like he was doing this book tour of a search for his son. Right. Mm. So, so strange. So this takes me back to my question I asked at the beginning of the episode. 
Cutright's family essentially disowned her for pursuing her own investigation into the story and unraveling everything they thought they knew about their family's tree. So would you would you want to know, like if this was your background, would you want to know, hey, my dad or my great-grandfather is not who I thought it was? I still think yes, because it doesn't affect me. Yeah, and I still Personally. think I still think no. I'm still stuck. You know, I'm, I'm, we've gotten more in, intrinsically involved in our own original thought, but I still think no because I it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there, there's nothing about it that affects me. So I, I guess I feel the th- same reason but different answer. Mm-hmm. I, I think For that sure. uh, I think that I would do probably do the same thing that Margaret did. Like I said, it, it would have depended on what the secret was, mm-hmm. but. I mean, it's a, it, it comes down to a, now a bloodline question. Like, I'd want to know, yeah. ooh, is my family the Dunbars, mm-hmm. or is it is it now, you know, something else? Yep. Plus, I would think Julia's family, her descendants, would appreciate closure on her story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sure. just, I mean, at that point, it's not just affecting your family. It's affecting somebody else's family. And Bobby, who they thought was Bobby, ended up not being Bobby, ended up being Bruce. Right. Even after he was told it was Bobby. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's it's the same concept as somebody finding out that they were adopted, mm. you know, very late in life. But right. still, I'd still want to know that type of thing. You know, this almost sounds like, and I never saw this movie, but it almost sounds like the movie uh, Changeling. Do y'all remember that movie? I never saw that one. I remember the trailer, it, but I didn't see it. Angelina got, Jolie. Yeah, Angelina yeah. Jolie. It sounds, like, it sounds like that. I've never seen the movie. I but never I saw it you were, either. You were looking at me, wondering. wondering I'm, I'm usually the one that sees the obscure movies because I get bored and watch everything. Yeah, it almost sounds like literally plot for plot. It sounds like the movie Changeling. Is is this movie? Is this based? Is this is that movie based on this story? I don't think so. Mm-mm. No. Nope. The only thing I know is there is a book that was written by Margaret Dunbar, called and also with a um, Chicago Tribune's writer. But it's called A Case for Solomon, Bobby Dunbar, and the Kidnapping that Haunted a Nation. The story is super interesting, too, in the fact that it's like this transference of like pain between all these families. Like they had this massive hurt that they lost their son. And so then they ended up hurting this complete other family, this other lady, by taking their kid. And it makes you wonder if they, like Percy and uh, Lessie, just kind of promised this kid, like, you're going to be able to have whatever you want. Just be Bobby. And he's like, well, all right. I'll be Bobby. Mm-hmm. So something very interesting that happened was when Bobby slash Bruce got older, I think he was about 50 years old, he actually went to go visit Julia Anderson. So okay, nobody really knew why. Weird. But he just went to go, and he did this several times, went to go vacation, but he was going to see Julia Anderson. Interesting. So did they like, ever talk about their meetups or anything no, now? Uh-uh. So he never really told anybody in his family. He just said, hey, I'm going to go meet with this lady. And so nobody really asked any questions. It's like, why are you going to meet with this lady? So it's almost like, as if he knew this was really his mother. Right. But And she would have been in her 70s, yeah. 80s at this mm-hmm. point, you know. Yep. So, but Because at age four, you're old enough to know, this is my mom, right. this is not my mom. Right. You know, it could have been a situation where you know, as a parent, you want what's best for your child always, mm-hmm. without question. And perhaps in the early 1900s, yep. the best thing that she could want for her child would be 
to be raised by a family with means. Mm -hmm. And so you never know. She may have instructed her son, hey, you look a lot like this little boy in case they come asking. Mm-hmm. Take it off. Oh, and by the way, Changeling was not based upon this story. However, it was based on a eerily similar story from hmm. 1928. Interesting. Wow. Fans, check that out. I've never seen the movie, but I it's pretty good. I think I will now because uh, this 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 story sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a weird, mysterious missing person. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what happened to actual Bobby? Mm-hmm. And you know, why did this family think it was okay to just continue to live their life as normal as if nothing ever happened with this new son that was not actually theirs? Right. You know, it, it's it's one it's crazy to me because I'm wondering now. It, let's just say that Bobby is still alive. Mm-hmm. Why would he never come forward and say, "I'm Bobby Dunbar, folks"? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not. This guy is not Bobby. I am Bobby. Like right. even even at older age, mm-hmm. like Bobby has to be dead. Yeah, and you would think that he for sure he. I think Bobby's dead, one hundred percent. Yeah, so he's either one dead, or two he was kidnapped by somebody else, and then as he he became an adult, you would think, hey, there was this massive news coverage about this case. This is me, right? You know, but I mean, is is there any? You said that Percy was really shifty. Like, is there anything? To the extent that maybe, maybe something happened at the lake that that wasn't accounted. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that maybe maybe they were trying to cover up Bobby's death by claiming that he was taken and staging this Bobby Dunbar, and maybe William Walter Walters was hired to steal this other kid yeah. so that the Dunbars could have a a scapegoat. I think I think Walters. I think that that's possible, but it could be a stretch because I think Walters, he was hired by um, Julia's by Julia, hmm. so he worked for Julia or hung out or was friends with Julia, and just to kind of help take care of her son while she was at work. So, yeah, but Walters did he? He's no, he's the one that kidnapped Bobby or the the Bruce kid, right? That's that's what the speculation yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Be easy, hey. Even though Julia said he did not do right. that. Because he, oh, he was weird. friends with Julia. What a weird story. Yeah. It's just, it's very tragic. It's very sad. And they never found the body. They never found anything of Bobby's other than the shoes and the footprints. Right. That's all they ever found. Man. There's some foul play there somewhere. There's, yeah. Somebody you, you, did something wrong. You for sure. Think, for sure. So my wife ended up buying um, this book that Margaret wrote um, called A Case for Solomon, Bobby Dunbar and the Kidnapping That Haunted a Nation. She bought this and we started reading through it, and uh, it's just it's just crazy how many little details that all these newspaper articles and photographs and everything kind of told about the actual story and what actually happened and how many people just covered up what was wrong. Like the authorities covered it up. The, um, the Dunbars, they covered it up. They didn't want to show. They didn't want to uh, – they kind of wanted it to go quiet and go away. Didn't care that they uprooted an entire family. In, that, in the that's process. what make, that's what makes me think that maybe something happened while they're at this lake lake mm-hmm. house. Like maybe something happened to Bobby, and they were trying to cover it up. Could be. Mm-hmm. And when you have a big family like that, or maybe maybe it was actually you know maybe it was Paul this this weird Paul guy. Maybe he did something because he was the, really the last one 
that we know that was actually hanging around Bobby mm-hmm. or that Bobby was hanging around. Maybe something happened there and they're just trying to cover something up. Yep. My wife will say that uh, ignorance doesn't allow for uh, morality to prevail, which is ultimately what we're called to do as humans. So I think uh, I think there's some some crazy secrets that ultimately just ruined you know a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Even even a hundred years later, now they're like, I thought we were Dunbar's. We're actually Andersons. And did you say that a lot of the rest of the family has kind of cut the um, the lady off now who wrote yeah. this book? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of still ruined her life too. Mm-hmm. Now that she's connected all this stuff. Yeah. So she she tried to find the truth, and they didn't like the fact that she was digging into it, and wow. they didn't want their uh, I guess their kind of family name to be run through the mud. But wow. Because, yeah, they only end up looking like very bad people Sure, mm-hmm. at the end of that, for sure, Yep, that they stole someone's kid, basically. Was the uh, Changeling movie in any way connected, like, in a similar area, anything like that? No, it was, uh, it was based off of a 1928 case um, set in Los Angeles. California, okay. different Completely side different of the country. Okay. But, you know, from... From what I was looking up for that one, it looks like it was connected to a murder case of a, a family farm that they were kidnapping children and murdering them and keeping them in the chicken coop, which, uh, wow. you know, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what happened to Bobby Dunbar, but there's a, there could be a, a stretch that maybe maybe the same family that was kidnapping kids and killing them yeah. took Bobby Dunbar too. Who knows? Ironically, there's a person in this story named Walter as well. No Bobby or Bruce, though. Walter has a first name, though, right? Yes. Yeah. thought that was a very interesting story about um, just family secrets. Like, I know we all have secrets with our families, but, sure. God, nothing like this. That's yeah, crazy. That's, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this happened, um, she started researching in 2003. Is kind of when the uh, DNA came back. Cutright drove 10 hours. Tell her father the results in person. Wow. Yeah, they disowned her for pursuing the own investigation into the story and and unraveling uh, everything. Okay, so here's the thing about that. When you say disown her, that makes it sound like they have family money, mm-hmm. which makes me think, like, this is how they got Bruce to right. be Bobby. Yeah. And then he was like... All right, there's going to be family money. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, we get together. He was in this family where this lady was working for someone like the Dunbars. Right. Now he is the Dunbars. Right. And, you know. Immediate so. status, elevation, money, you know. Yeah, that's tough for a five-year-old to comprehend, though. It that, is, but that's so true. But that's why that's why I think it has to be something where the mom was like, you know. Yeah. It, it is, though, and maybe that's why later on down the road he didn't, when he kind of understood what had happened, maybe he, he's like, no, nah, I don't want to go anywhere. Like, My this, situation is too good now, yeah. but I'm going to make sure and go visit mom with no... Nobody knowing, you know. Yeah, I'm Bobby now, but I'm also Bruce. Secret Bruce. Yeah, but or like, it's like if, Bruce Wayne reverse. <laughs> if the five year old was impressionable enough, though, right? Like, like Jeremy, your son's four, but I mean, it, it, how much candy would it take for me to get to change his name? Right. <laughs> like it would. It could take you. You know, months and months and months of telling this this kid you're gonna be Bobby Dun. You're gonna be Bruce. You're gonna be. You're gonna be Bobby. You're not I mean, Bruce. Maybe they told him he, they were legally adopting him. Maybe. I mean, maybe they were like, "Hey, Just you know, when we him. talked with your mom, we, we're gonna, you're gonna be our son now." Yeah. You know, but, you're gonna be adopted, was, and your new name's was, gonna be Bobby. When he was on up in age, he went to go visit Julia. 
as if was like, he brought in any of these court cases, by the way? Because I know Julia came in to testify against I don't, uh, or for. I'm uh, not sure. Um, it doesn't really say that okay. I know of. It may say more in the book. But um, as far as I know, he was not brought in to testify or anything during these court cases as a, because he was a minor. Oh, yeah. Okay. And of course, the Dunbars wouldn't let him probably. Yeah, for sure. Probably fought it. Mm-hmm. But imagine this one guy. Uh, he goes to, or he was sentenced to life in prison. Dude. For doing nothing wrong. Like helping somebody. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll watch your kid for you. And he ended up serving two Life years. But it's like, but, yeah. Jeez, man. Crazy. That's pretty crazy. Grayson, thank you for joining us on the show today. Enjoyed having you. I hope you enjoyed the... I enjoyed it. I thought it was going to be more uh, a ghost one. So, you know what? I'll, I'll hold that for next time. If you guys <laughs> will have me back. Yeah, that would be uh, amazing. I I've thoroughly enjoyed it, gentlemen. Thank you. This episode was written by Brian McIntyre with discussion from Jeremy Thompson and Joey Thompson and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe, and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories, too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.